Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. But we are very honored to have truly one of the leading evangelists in our movement, and Brother Tim Green. He's been here several times and always preached a wonderful message, and he's a man that's sincere and sensitive to the Spirit. So we're going to hear from God today. Are you ready for the word of the Lord? Amen. Amen. Brother Green, God bless you. Come and preach the word. God bless you, my friend. Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. What a privilege it is to be here today with you and give honor and congratulations to Bishop and Lady Kylie. And what an awesome opportunity to hear so many powerful and anointed voices that uh, the Kileys have ministered with and ministered to and been ministered to. So this is a great privilege of mine. I give honor to all the ministers and uh, I would not even begin to start naming everybody. I love so many of you and, well, I think I love all of you, but uh, uh, so many of you that we are very close to. So what an honor. And of course, Bishop, our former superintendent, so good to be back with you again, Brother Putnam. And all the pastors that I preach for in this place, I feel like it's a, like a family reunion for me to come back, and not only in Wisconsin, but also to come back to Oconomowoc. And how many revivals have we been the privilege to be part of here? And pray for people in these altars right here, and what a privilege that has been for me. So me and my wife would like to, Lois and I would like to say how much we love and appreciate you, Brother Kylie, and Sister Kylie, and also Abundant Life, and what an honor it is to be here with you here today, Abundant Life. I'm going to bring your attention, and I won't be lengthy, to John chapter 10, and just read a couple of scriptures beginning at verse 10 of John chapter 10. Jesus is speaking about being a shepherd to the disciples And indeed, beyond that, a shepherd to his people, and also a message to those that would shepherd in his kingdom or in his church, those who would pastor or shepherd in his kingdom. Verse 10, the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is an hireling and not the shepherd whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth, and the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth because he is an hireling and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. Probably a familiar passage, but I'm going to title this short message something that probably is not real familiar. My title is simply Wolf Killers. Wolf Killers. God bless you. You may be seated. In my travels, I have found many a time sitting in airports, connecting flights and whatnot. 
was in Salt Lake City and picked up a periodical. I have searched and tried to find this since and have not been able to find it. But as I began to read in this periodical a true story of the Old West, God began to put my mind back to remembrance of studies and words and from the Word of God. And this, this is kind of what came from that. True story, this periodical, begins in 1880s, in the 1880s. At that time, our country was still wild and wooly. <laughs> they were still shooting each other in the streets of western towns, and, and the sheriffs and the marshals that were over these towns were presiding mostly just for peace to keep rambunctious cowboys from shooting out the lights and drunken bars from the salon not to injure the citizens of the city. This particular place was in a region of Wyoming. And not only were there rough people in the city and rough individuals that lived in these western towns, but there were some pretty powerful men that decided they would make their riches in the new west of the time. There was a particular man in this area whose name was, his name was Johnson. And Johnson came to make his wealth with raising sheep and raising cattle in a wild section north of Wyoming, the region of Wyoming. And he immediately realized that as he had sheep and as he had cattle, that there was another problem of the Old West. It's wild animals. <laughs> and there were bear and there were, there were wolves that were trying to steal away the crops or the sheep and the folds that they would bring and the cattle and the calves. And, and so there were men in the Old West that had a particular niche. They were called wolfers or wolf killers or they had learned to be able to track and they could track a, a wolf in a, down a dusty road and see exactly where he would turn to go down toward a creek or they were excellent marksmen and they had practiced so much with their rifles that they learned to zero in on a target and sometimes a quarter mile away could hit even a walking animal such as a wolf and those that were expert in both of these areas became wolf killers. They were they were particular sought after by ranchers to take care of the wolf problems that had come against their sheep or perhaps their cattle. And so as this rancher Johnson began to have problem with his sheep were now being destroyed by wolves and not even eaten, just carcasses and seemingly for one or two good bites, a wolf would destroy three or four lambs and a sheep and walk off. And so the rancher walks into town one day and he begins to make his brag. He said, I've got an idea. I'm going to get rid of all the wolves that are destroying my sheep all the wolves that are coming against my calves. And I'm going to completely eradicate and take care of the problem in this portion of Wyoming. Now they thought that was a mighty big brag because 
you can chase down a wolf and kill it and you can take care of whatever is coming against your herd or your fold, but eventually there's gonna be more wolves come, right? There's gonna be more predators that try to come against you. So this was seemingly a bold statement he was making. So they pressed the rancher and said, come on, rancher Johnson, tell us what exactly is this secret? What exactly is this plan, this idea that you have that you're going to completely get rid of the wolf problem? He said, well, I'm not going to tell you the complete story, but I will tell you that I have, I have hired a wolf killer to come. Now, this particular wolf killer that Rancher Johnson had gotten in touch with, everybody had forgotten his name was Steelman. They had actually just called him Wolf Killer for some time. And he, he was not seemingly the most social character. And he was not seemingly the one with the great introvert and, or extrovert uh, atmosphere personality. And he wasn't one that everybody would just get real close to. He was kind of a loner, but he was good at his job. And so the, those in the town kind of waited around for Wolf Killer to come and see what plan the rancher had to totally eradicate the wolves. It was only a couple of weeks later when into the town rides a cowboy on a dusty sorrel. And as he threw the reins over the hitching post, he beat his dusty hat against his chaps and dust flying everywhere, squinting in his eyes and wrinkles that he had been squinting for many times looking westward toward the sun. And they watched Wolf Killer as he walked into the little tack hardware shop. They acted like they weren't paying any attention, just, just kind of happened to be there just inside the door watching him as he was making purchases. What could he possibly be purchasing that would somehow eradicate the wolves in this portion of Wyoming. They watched him begin to purchase some beans. And if you're going to eat, beans keep. So that was a pretty good choice. Some salt, he had to get some preservative and a few articles of food that he could eat, some uh, what we would call beef jerky and other things that he was preparing to take with him. That, that made sense to them. And then he made a purchase, and he decided that he would get, um, get some ammunition. So he bought about 100 rounds of ammunition. That was quite a purchase, 100 rounds of ammunition. He spotted a brand-new, shiny Winchester rifle, and there it is. And I don't want anybody to be concerned. This is a BB gun. It is not loaded. It is not cocked. The safety is on. It is not harmful. But this is going to be a, a, uh, just something that I'm going to let you see and present in just a moment to Bishop Kylie. He found that new Winchester rifle and he said, I, I think that I will get that as well. After all, if you're going to be eradicating wolves, a new rifle, 100 rounds of ammunition makes sense. But then they watched him in curiosity as he, as he purchased a, a handsaw and an axe and a hammer of sorts and some wooden and some 
metal nails and they're thinking what kind of trap maybe is he going to build what kind of presence is he going to have to get rid of these wolves and and so he made his purchase and he loaded all up on his horse and they headed out of town and all the townspeople are curious as they can be but they're not going to say anything they're not going to ask they wait a few days and then while the tracks were still visible, they got outside of town and picked up the tracks of the wolf killer Sorrel and they began to follow him. And as they followed him toward the place where the rancher had made his home and his life, they began to hear a curious sound. Not the sharp crack of a rifle as he's perhaps killing wolves, but they hear the ringing of an axe upon wood. They hear that singing sound of a saw as it was cutting through some wood, the chipping of different wood as they were, axe was beginning to make its work upon a plank. And when they come around the corner, they come to an open place and here the wolf killer has felled several trees and he's building not a trap, but what looks like a house. And they come up to where the wolf killer is and they say, we don't know what you're doing here, but the rancher told us you're going to eradicate all the wolves. But you don't look like you're tracking any wolves. You don't look like you're building any traps. What are you doing here? And he said, oh yeah, I've come to eradicate wolves. And he said, well, that's, that's a mighty big brag. And we know your reputation. You've killed so many wolves, but how can you completely get rid of the problem? He said, I'm going to tell you the problem is just about over. They said, you're going to kill a wolf, but they're coming back. He said, if you want your children and your grandchildren to know what the track of a lobo looks like down the creek bank, you better get them down there to look. And if you want them to know what the whoo of a lobo sounds like in the middle of the night and a full moon, you need to get them out and let them listen because it's going to be just a little while and you're not going to see the tracks. You're not going to hear the howl. There's not going to be any wolf problems in this area anymore. And they said, come on now. What's your plan? Tell us. And he reached in his back pocket, got a piece of paper and began to unfold it. And he said, here I have a deed, and the rancher has made this deal with me, that he is not just going to pay me to get rid of the wolves, but he has given me a portion of his land. He has given me a few of his cattle, some of his sheep in the fold. And what I plan to do is build this house that you see the foundation right now. And when I get this house built, I'm coming into your town and I'm marrying the prettiest girl in town. I'm going to bring her out here to my cabin, and we're going to start a life together. And I'm going to have children here, and I'm going to live here until I die with my boots off in my bed. And they said, well, that sounds good, but what's the plan? He said, you don't understand. I'm not here to work for somebody else that has wolf problems. I am here to live. 
And if I live here, I'm using every bit of my ability, my expertise, my experience, everything that has been handed down to me as a marksman, as a tracker, and you can make sure that I'm going to take care of my home and my children and my family and my sheep and my cattle. Now, this article that I'm reading at the Salt Lake City Airport goes back to the 1880s, and this is how it began. And then it picks up in 1997, and it has been discovered that in a certain part of Wyoming, animal activists have found that what should be a natural habitat for wolves in this region of northern Wyoming is... Curiously, there's no wolves there. 117 years later, there's no wolves. It should be a natural habitat. It should be a place where they're thriving. There's no wolves. So not understanding the background of what happened, certain animal activists got together and they had some wolves trapped that they thought would be excellent candidates to replenish the population, this portion of Wyoming. And they have these wolves in cages shipped to a certain hillside there in northern Wyoming where they plan to have a ceremony where they'll cut ribbons and loose open the cage and replenish the land again to wolves that should live in their natural habitat. It's 1997. And as they're beginning their ceremony, almost like from way back in time, they see riding up the hill on horses are some old cowboys. They look out of time and out of place as they are riding their horses up the hill. And when these three cowboys get up the hill, it's noticed pretty quickly that they all have a little Winchester rifle in the crooks of their arms. And when they get to the hill, they don't say anything, but they just throw their knee over the horn of the saddle and they're just watching. But the muzzle of their rifles are suspiciously pointing right toward the cages of the wolves. And so this particular lady, this animal activist, begins to realize what's happening and she's concerned and worried and, and she goes over to them and she says, I don't know what you are doing here, but we're about to release these beautiful wolves back into their natural habitat and I'm so excited that they're going to replenish this area of Wyoming where they should be living. And they said, ma'am, we're here to kill wolves. <laughs> and she said, oh, you, you can't do that. And they just shrugged their shoulders, not a man of a lot of words, but shrugged their shoulders and kind of nodded that that's what they were there for. Finally, it was decided that there was nothing she could do and she was fearful that these wolves would be killed even while they were still in their cages. The look in these cowboys' eyes and so they postponed it. Now it's set for like two weeks later and two weeks later she has the sheriff and the marshal of the region up there and just like before, just like two weeks before, she's there to release these wolves into their natural habitat and here comes three cowboys riding their horse up the hillside. Got Winchester rifles in their arm. 
And they're pointed suspiciously toward the wolves. And this animal activist lady goes over to the marshal. She says, there they are, Marshall. You've got to do something about them. And so Marshall, he's a Western guy, and he thinks this is a little funny himself. But he goes over to where these three cowboys are, and he says, gentlemen, what are you here to do? And they say, we're here to kill wolves. That's what we do. We're wolf killers. And he said, well, you're not going to be able to do that because... If you discharge your firearm in this region, in this area, we'll be able to confiscate them. You'll have fines. We've got to arrest you, et cetera, et cetera. And they said, okay, that's fine. But we know right where we get out of the county, where the county line is. And as soon as we cross over that creek, we're going to be killing wolves. We want you to know, Marshall, that we are expert marksmen that we have been taught by our daddies and our granddaddies to track wolves, and we've been doing this all our lives. So you can stop us from immediately killing them, but as soon as the wolves take off, we're taking off after them, and if they cross the creek, they're gone. (laughs) And so the marshal goes back over. He's got a tongue-in-cheek, almost laughing, trying not to, and he speaks to her, and he says, Ma'am, I don't know what to tell you, but these guys... They're good. They can shoot and they can track. And if you release these wolves, they might not kill them right here, but they're all going to be dead and all your efforts and all. They're going to string them up from any kind of cottonwood they can find. They're going to make a show. They're going to be gone. Your efforts are going to be none. And she, she is so upset. Her nerves are shocked and faces now flooded with with passion and that cord comes out in her neck as she goes over to them and she says who do you think you are and they said well ma'am we want to introduce ourselves we're the Stillman brothers and our great 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 grandpappy came in here in the 1880s and he he eradicated the wolves in the 1880s And when he had his sons and his daughters, he taught them to track wolves and to shoot wolves. And for a hundred and almost 20 years, we have not had wolf problems in this portion of Wyoming because generation after generation has been raised up to kill wolf killers, to track wolves, or to kill wolves, to track wolves, and to make sure that wolves are not a problem so that our families and our sheep and our cattle can live in peace and can prosper. And she said, well, well, we're going to do whatever we can. They said, let me ask you something, ma'am. Where do you live? Who are you? And she told them their name, her name, and she said, I live in Cheyenne. And she said, well, Cheyenne, they said, that's a big city. <laughs> to these boys, that was a big city. And they said, uh, where in particular in Cheyenne do you live? And she said, well, I'm, you know, what basically is a penthouse apartment, just a three-story place in downtown Cheyenne. They said, woman, if you want to take these wolves and loose them in front of the road where your house is, that's fine with us. If if you want to take them to your apartment and loose them in your penthouse, that's fine with us. But this is where we live. This is where our home is. And we're not going to let any wolves live here. Is that an incredible story? 
But when we read here in John chapter 10, Jesus is declaring that this is what the shepherd does. That there is a thief There is one that steals. There is one that destroys. That's the enemy. And the enemy is always coming against God's people. Always coming against God's children or God's sheep. The shepherd's sheep. And he makes it clear that he is the good shepherd. And will lay down his life for his sheep. Aren't you thankful for Calvary? Is there anybody in the place today that knows what it's like to be picked up out of the miry clay and your feet put on the rock to stay that somebody paid the price for your sins and your mistakes? Thank you, shepherd. He began to declare that his good shepherd would lay down his life for the sheep. But then he delineated between some. He said some are shepherd and have the spirit of the shepherd and others are just hirelings and you can tell who's a hireling by when the wolf comes you let trouble come to the sheep and you'll find who is the true shepherd and who is just after reputation or popularity or money or who knows what idea they would have but somehow that this would be the separation let the wolf come let the sheep get in trouble this is how he declared the hirelings the hireling fleeth because he is a hireling and really doesn't care much for the sheep I thank God that for 40 years Spirit of the shepherd has been administered in Oconomowoc. That long before so many here even knew that there was a God that loved them and that paid a price on Calvary to set them free, there was a couple that was praying, that was fasting, that was sacrificing, that was laying down their lives, their energy, their essence, For the sake of those that would become the sheep of this fold. Part of the family of abundant life. I thank God for the spirit of the shepherd. And while so many that have spoken today have had history that goes back many years. uh, My history with the Kileys is maybe 15 uh, years, 18 years or so since I first began to minister in Wisconsin. But I can remember so many wonderful revivals here at Abundant Life and the power of God sweeping through and the graciousness of your pastor and your first lady allowing me to be here in ministry with you. I've also served with Brother Kiley as he served the Wisconsin District as the North American Missions Director, I believe for six years or more. In that same time span, I was serving the organization as the evangelist coordinator. and we, we spent time at St. Louis in meetings together. And Brother Kylie would also bring me into Wisconsin to preach at churches that he had a compassion for. Churches that maybe could not afford to bring in an evangelist. 
But if the North American Missions Department brought him in, and Brother Kylie would schedule me in three or four churches around the district, and churches that were just beginning or churches that were needing a revival that could not afford or did not have the opportunity to bring an evangelist in. And I saw the spirit of the shepherd in him, not just for this city, but also for this district. I thank God for that, Brother Kylie. But as I have heard so many individuals speak about the ministry that has come out from under this church, I'm reminded of this story of the generational handing down of the wolf killer's abilities and talents and giftings. That that same passion has emanated from Bishop Kiley and it's in the hearts of this generation and the next generation to come. That whatever city that God lays upon the hearts of the new pastors and the future pastors that have been affected and touched by this particular couple, thank God that they have been handed down these same giftings and talents and just a passion that they will not let a wolf come against their sheep. They will not let the enemy destroy their family they will not let the enemy destroy their church family I thank God for that but more than even all these ministers and pastors and individuals that will as we have defined hold license even in this church talking to abundant life and you might not ever be a full-time minister and thank God for ministry that is not full-time. Thank God for saints that know they are ministers. But you have been hearing the word of God for 40 years. And Jesus begins to tell us this, that we have a promise of the Holy Ghost, that you will be endued with power from on high. In Luke 10, 19, he said, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy or the wolves and nothing shall by any means hurt you. That God has given us armament. He has given us the whole armor of God that we might put this on to be protected and to enable us to be these wolf killers or to have the spirit of the shepherd. That the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. But the difference between who is effective and who turns and runs, who is the hireling is those that have the spirit of ownership. When you come to the place that it's not Bishop Kylie's church, this is my church. And this isn't the region or the burden that God has given pastors, but this is the burden that God has given me. That in the neighborhood that I live in, God has placed me there as an ambassador because I am a wolf killer. I am a prayer warrior. I am an intercessor. I am a testimony and a witness. And I can do a work, not just in a church service, but in the place where he has placed me. And when we take ownership as the body of Christ, then we truly take on the spirit of the shepherd. 
And we began to not just run when trouble comes and decide, well, that's not my neighbor and that's not my family and that's not my city. But we truly take ownership and declare that God has given this to me. Got a deed in my back pocket that this is where he's going to bless me. This is where I'm going to live and find companionship. This is where he's going to give me children, whether spiritually or physically. This is where he's going to give me grandchildren. And as long as I live, I will use the gifts and the anointings and the weapons that God has given me to come against the spirits that have come against my neighborhood and will fight with prayer the spirits of addiction and will fight with intercession the marriages that are falling apart and will fight with testimony those who are lost and going to a devil's hell. And I will take ownership of my harvest and my church and my leadership in my home because... I've got a vested, a vested interest in this. This is where I live. This is my home. This is my church. This is my family. And as long as I live, I will use every tool and every gift because I have the spirit of the shepherd or the wolf killer. Not only that, but it's my responsibility to teach the next generation the same skills and giftings. In this article, and I'm finished, in this article that I read, the last picture was beautiful picture. Wyoming, sun was setting. Cowboy was boots up on split rail fence. Young girl sitting, standing beside him as cowboy hats on both of them. They gazed toward the west. But you might have been, if you were a hunter, you might have noticed this. That from the horse that they had got off of, you could track his big boots and the spurs as they began to follow his heel prints. And you could see where he lifted her off the horse and her little boot prints were there walking beside him all the way to the rail. But then there was a line in the sand or in the dirt that run on the right side of that little girl, six, seven-year-old girl, all the way up to the fence. And if you look close in that picture, you could see that she's holding in her right hand a little rifle, probably a BB gun, probably something of very little significance in power and ability to hurt or to maim. But it said something to me that this particular Steelman, 120 years removed from that great ancestor that came into Wyoming, he didn't look like he had any sons, but he had a daughter. And it didn't intimidate him that the next generation might not be his namesake. His daughter might marry someone and the name Stillman would be now gone from his particular line or tree. And there he decided that it was more than just a father-son thing, more than just a pastor-minister thing, but, but this was something he would teach even his six-year-old girl. And so from the time that she was just a little girl, she was learning what it was like to hold perhaps a BP gun. But he was teaching her, you're going to be an expert marksman. Because if the next generation doesn't raise up any young men 
there's going to be some young ladies that raise up with the same spirit of the shepherd that will destroy the works of the enemy. I think the Holy Ghost wants to challenge us in this afternoon before we go and eat and celebrate a little more just to once again take the spirit of ownership to make that commitment in our heart that it's not just pastor's responsibility, not just bishop's responsibility, not just pastoral staff and ministers and those on staff, but, but God has given me in whatever position or whatever job that he has given me an opportunity to destroy the works of the wolf. So in my home, my home, in my job, my job, in my city, in my church, in my leadership, I will be a wolf killer. I want you to stand with me. I'm going to give you opportunity to respond in commitment. But Bishop, I wanted to present this to you just as a momentum. If you want to go deer hunting, you can take this later this year. It says wolf killer on it the name Kylie and 40th, just to commemorate the powerful, tremendous ministry of this church and this tremendous couple. And I should have brought a second gun for you as well. I have to make sure that this other wolf killer here has presented something as well. If you feel a tug in your spirit today, I'm not going to have a big, long altar call, but you want to make a fresh commitment that ministry is not just about the leadership and the pastoral staff, but ministries as Brother Kylie started off, everyone. And if you would make that step of commitment, not that I'm going to do this and I'll commit to that, but that you would take ownership, that you would realize this is my city, this is my district, this is my nation, this, this is my church. So anytime the enemy tries to come in and destroy somebody, wait a minute, that's not just my brother that sits on the other side of the church, that's, that's my family. And when we drive down the roads of our neighborhoods and we see the degradation of addiction and immorality and the destruction that is everywhere, that we wouldn't just drive by and say, man, I'm so glad that abundant life is here and that Pastor Kylie is. No, if we would say, this is my neighborhood. And some people you might never touch, but in your personal devotion, you can pick up your Winchester of prayer. And you can get a hold of your intercession as a tracker. And you can track the enemy down and begin to plead the blood and to speak blessing in our homes of our houses and our neighborhoods and come against the spirit of addiction and immorality and step up to the ownership of who you are as the son or the daughter of the good shepherd. Then in that commitment today, I think that that's what God would have us do. If you want to make that step of commitment, just as a sign of faith, would you step out? Just walk down to this front. Just stand here all across the front. I'm not surprised that pastors are some of the first ones jumping out. They've given their life to this. Is there somebody besides the pastor? There you go. Somebody there that knows that I, 
I, I have been given responsibility. This is my home. This is my church. This is my neighborhood. It's my city. It's my harvest. Then for whatever region you live in, would you begin to make your way down to the front? Beautiful. I'm simply going to pray a prayer for you. If you want to linger in this altar, that'd be tremendous. There's all kinds of ministry that can pray for you. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.